When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. As I told you on Twitter, I'm finally doing something about my weight and my health. I found a solution for weight loss and it's Awaken 180. My friends in the media told me about Awaken 180. It's their go-to program to lose weight without killing yourself in the gym or taking any kind of medication. Just listen to the success stories. My boy, Kyle Draper, he dropped 30 pounds. Andy Grish dropped 105, and that's not it. Scott Zolak, Steve Logan, Dan Reeves, Dr. Laura R. Carmen, and add Cedric Maxwell to the list. It's only been about three weeks, and I've already dropped about 15 pounds. Turn these trying times into a reason to get healthy like me. Call Awaken. Receive the same one-on-one coaching I'm getting at home or on Skype. Also access 1,000 recipes and tools you need to your weight loss from the company who has revolutionized the weight loss industry. Set up your first consultation today at awaken180weightloss.com. Well, what's up, everybody? Josh Lewin with you. The Red Sox Beat podcast continues as we look forward to hopefully actually having some baseball. I've got some thoughts on that. Evan Drellick is going to join us. Long time waiting to get old Evan back on the program, of course, uh, in and out of Boston. Not unlike yours truly. Uh, not always there, but certainly will always have a, a passion for what's going on. You may know he was a guy who was all over the uh, Red Sox Maybe, maybe not getting the Astros treatment story. Uh, we're not really going to get much into that simply because we've all moved on to pandemic things. Um, maybe we'll touch on it a little bit, but it, it, it seems kind of quaint now, doesn't it? That that was our big concern in spring training is what's going to happen with the Red Sox and Alex Cora. And do you vacate something? Do you get penalized for something? And we know how it all worked out. We don't know if Alex Cora is coming back at any point, and that is something I want to try to get into with Evan. We'll do that. But uh, kind of summing things up where we are, uh, this is recording on May 19, so things could change already by the time you're listening to this. But uh, all these questions, and the biggest one is whether or not we should even be doing anything towards return. I would say there's a benefit of getting baseball going that's nuanced, but I think it's very important because as this isolation drags along here, all of us are forced to deal with this reality that the little things that we've all taken for granted, they are, uh, they're not available right now. And it's going to be that way for a while. We're not living in a fully functioning, high functioning society. Lots of behavioral changes have had to have been made, right? So if baseball can model for all of us, how to get that done, how to get through these extreme inconveniences without turning into a bunch of Karens, which is now a thing, right? I mean, you've seen these these entitled people, basically all called Karen now, uh, flipping out on, on people who are just trying to do their jobs. But we've all experienced some of this over the last several months, that, that we don't 
have and maybe we don't need all the luxuries and conveniences that we've become so used to. We were very, very spoiled being able to go out to restaurants whenever we wanted to, touch whoever we wanted to, all that stuff. And uh, a buddy of mine, Andy Martino, wrote a nice piece for SNY back in New York talking about how he's learned since early March that, you know what, he can cook seven nights a week. It's possible. And maybe it is possible that players can play ball without all the extra routines of getting in the the cage for extra hitting all the time and spitting, having beers after the game. I mean, these are things we all take for granted, but we just might not be able to have for a while. So with the country starting to open up and a lot of people cannonballing into the pool without caution here, I think it could be very instructive to watch how major leaguers go at it this year in this new normal. I mean, they're they're getting back to work, yes, but they're doing it in ways that are going to be annoying and inconvenient and maybe overly cautious. They're going to be strongly encouraged to stay away from social gatherings and uncontrolled public spaces, just like the rest of us. So that's one of the subtle reasons I think it would be cool to have baseball come back in what's going to be a bizarre, almost non-season. I mean, this thing is going to be such a one-off in every way. And we don't even know if the players and owners can get this done. We'll talk to Evan about that momentarily. But the league says it's going to lose money for every game, no matter what happens here. And because the owners won't ever open their books, you don't really know exactly what the numbers are. But, uh, you know, the, the financial presentation they've made says that without fans, you're going to lose a billion in local revenues if they play the games. And, uh, you know, if they don't play the games at all, it's closer to $4 billion. So you're going to lose something either way. But the union can certainly point out, using the league's own numbers, that you know, the central revenues will still kind of make it worthwhile to get something done. And obviously, if there's a big push to get postseason actually accomplished, uh, I mean, that tournament could end up being record-setting rating kind of television and maybe make some money back that way. Already there are things being talked about in terms of how you can – creatively make some of this money back we've seen it with zoom calls you know that are being taken to the masses there's ways you can put sponsors in the stands right i mean go with logos on the tarps and and all over the place and at least recoup some of that money again this is a one-off kind of thing for everybody and i think there's ways to get this done whether or not it gets done that's what we're all waiting on right now so we'll get to that with evan Try to get a little Red Sox-specific as well, but frankly, to me, it's just about baseball in general at this point. And a quick reminder before we get to Evan, that there is no shortage of action with our very exclusive partner, BetOnline.ag. Yeah, NASCAR is back, right? BetOnline has hundreds of games and events and sports that are still going here. So some of them are simulated, I know, right? I mean, NBA and UFC. There's the uh, the $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. A lot of cool sims that you can do. Coming up next Sunday, Bet Online has Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges, the, the ex-Bulls, joining them to get into all the, the MJ documentary thing after the dance they're calling it. So uh, go to the website, use your mobile device, join today to receive your new welcome bonus. Check out all the action. Bet Online, your online wagering solution. All right, let's get to some solutions with our good friend Evan Drellick. You ready to roll the interview? Let's roll the interview. All right, as promised, the catch-up with the great Evan Drellick, to whom I owe a great debt. Let me pull the curtain back a little bit. We recorded this earlier. One of us was a numbskull. It was me. It didn't hit record 
for some reason. I have no, I've never done that before, Evan. There's the pandemic is making us all fakakta. It's ridiculous. I'm glad I could share your first time with you. <laughs> you never forget your first, and mine was with Evan. So, uh, so much to get to that you and I, frankly, have already gotten to. So hopefully take two is just as good as take one, because let me tell you, we would have won some sort of award or prize. We were so good on our first take here. But as I said, uh, kind of introducing you, you know, I'm really kind of stunned that here we are not really even needing or wanting to talk about what you were doing the deep dive on for so long which was, are the Red Sox going to be punished like the Astros and what's all that about? Because now it just seems just, I mean, silly, really. You know, I mean, with everything else that's going on right now, we're just worried about do we have a season, everything else. So let's kind of leapfrog right past Alex Cora being suspended for a year. Let's get into, are we going to have a year at all? We're taping this on May 19th, and I understand that by May 20th, things could change. But as of right now, what are you thinking about the the possibility that we actually play ball? It seems inconceivable inconceivable to me that we would not have a season because of economics, but they are in quite a stare down right now, the league and the union over player pay. And then you have this whole other area to figure out the health protocols, the logistics of just how a season would work with all the social distancing practices and mitigation and whatnot. The biggest question to me, and I didn't say this in our first go around, is is not really whether they end up playing. I think they get to a point where they can play. I think it's whether or not they finish. And that's not a money question as much as it is a health question. Um, Do we have an environment where 82 games in a postseason can be conducted without people getting sick and and the season having to be shut down. But right now, in this moment, there there's quite a stare down over money. Well, and the old bromide about millionaires squabbling with billionaires, I don't mean to reduce it to that, but seems to me, just, you know, nonsense boy from 10,000 feet here, I get it that if you play the games at all, the owners don't make money this year, no matter how you structure it. There's part of me that says, though, look at guys, you've made millions and millions of millions of millions of dollars for several years in a row. Join the club. Be a part of our parade. All of us who are doing pretty well, we're all going under this year because there's this thing called the pandemic. So suck it up. And I guess I'm having a little bit of a tough time getting past that one. How are you with that? both sides are better off. There's more money in the sport if they play. That's a a fact that no one is going to deny. But the owner argument at the moment is that under the current agreement uh, with the players from March, that they would actually lose more money by playing the games than not, which, which is what they're standing on as the reason for the players to take a further pay cut. They're talking past each other in a way here because the agreement in March lets the league have control over whether or not to start the season, but it also outlined player salary. So there's nothing at the moment forcing players to take a pay cut, and there's nothing in the, in the moment that forces the league to actually start the season. And the league wants a 50-50 revenue-sharing setup. The players and the union look at that as too close to a salary cap. They, the league has not actually proposed 
a new economics dynamic. They haven't sent over anything uh, officially that they want the scheme to look like. The union is waiting on that. The league wants the union to first signal that they're even willing to talk about it. And the union has also requested financial documents from the league to prove their peril. So they're, they're just staring at each other in the face at the moment, and, and both are talking very tough. And players do seem to be pretty entrenched here. And it's a question of how do they work their way out of this? Who's going to be the one to, to basically bridge the divide and get the ball rolling here? Right. And talking past each other, I think, is a great way to put it. And then there are some that really should know better that just fall right into these traps. I mean, the Illinois governor, Governor Pritzker, I think is his name, you know, talked about uh, how the, you know, the players are holding out. And it's like, come on, dude. You know, it's just like 101 stuff that you're not getting. But then there's Blake Snell kind of falling right into the same trap. And, and he was not eloquent. He's not an orator. You know, you and I talked about it earlier. This guy is certainly not Patrick Henry. He's not Bob Costas. He is all over the place on his, you know, on his Twitch chat and his TikToks and whatever else he's doing. But he's not wrong, right, when he's saying that this is why I want my money. Kind of came off like a bit of a, a greedy, spoiled brat. But I think he may actually have somewhere deep ensconced in there a valid point. Yeah, the money on both sides, when put into layman terms, is money neither of them should complain about, right? The billionaires will be fine, and probably the millionaires as well. Well, not every major league player that is a millionaire. You don't you don't make that kind of money the second you walk into the big leagues, but certainly a, a strong number of them are. Um, the problem with a little bit of that thinking, particularly on a player standpoint, is if if you're kind of just happy to be there and. Uh, this is thinking that comes up in, in normal work stoppage situations, too. That you're just always going to accept what the owners offer. It, it, both sides, the commissioner's office representing the owners, the union representing the players, they, they, they have to fight for what is relatively available to them and for their relative situations. Does it suck from a PR perspective? Absolutely. You know, from, from the Vantage of a regular person, you, me, anybody listening to our wonderful podcast, it's a difficult thing to understand when the, the rest of the world is suffering that you have this going on. But the, the alternative on either side would be to basically forego fighting for what is a huge amount of money. And it turns out, Josh, money talks. Oh, is that right? <laughs> <laughs> well, turns out and, and I, I have to interject real quick almost back up a little bit because i see you and ken rosenthal now a guy i've known for a long time had a, uh, a lot of respect for as well you guys are like these twin lockdown cornerbacks working in tandem right now on all these stories where nothing gets by you it seems i mean major league baseball sends a 67 page report to the players and both of you jump the route and manage to, to grab it and share it with us so we appreciate that, and as part of, by the way, why you should absolutely have a subscription to The Athletic. I, I don't make money by saying that. I just think it's a very good journalism. But uh, some of the things from this report that you guys unearthed, just fascinating. I mean, the, the regular testing we knew would be there, but how some of this stuff goes down or is going to be 
attempted it to going down. You know, I mean, and Fenway's not an easy place to socially distance, I got to point out, but you know, lockers being six feet apart, that's impossible at Fenway. No spitting, you know, no smokeless tobacco or sunflower seeds, et cetera, et cetera. Not even exchange of lineup cards. I mean, I, I get it to a point. Is it that they're overdoing it just so that they cover their ass, or is it really kind of the new normal for all of us in 2020? Well, when you, you've got a physical endeavor going on, uh, a lot of sweaty bodies, you, you've got to be concerned about it. Uh, the players had a call on Monday night, uh, the player representatives with the union, to discuss those health protocols specifically. Uh, it was kind of a general update on, on, on what's going on, but with a focus on those health protocols, and that 67-page proposal, that was all health. That had nothing to do with the money. The players are going to have a chance to chime in. It's not a final thing. It, it's, it's labeled a draft. Literally, those words appear on it. Even if they make some substantial changes to it, one way or another, the players are going to be existing in a new normal, at least for this year. Who knows what baseball in 2021 looks like as the rest of the world turns. But you can, you can probably uh, you know, vouch if you're the players for backing off of some of it, and maybe they even want something more stringent in, in other areas. It's a huge ask, and, and it ultimately plays in eventually, I think, to the economics discussion, because the players can say, look, not only is there potential health risk by going out and, and playing, you're asking us to relearn all these habits, and it's, it's hard to imagine them pulling it off perfectly. It's a, it's a large number of people and, and so many changes. You know, who's going to be enforcing it? Um, and and it, from that standpoint, it, it's a little hard to see working because don't you know somebody's going to make a mistake and are you willing to, to risk people making that kind of mistake? But clearly at this point, they, they all want to bring the game back. You know, it, it's a storm they're trying to weather. I read something recently from our mutual friend and journalist, Andy Martino, and uh, I've said to you before, and I'm kind of passionate about this, journalism in, in every corner just seems to be getting assailed these days. So uh, even though I'm not technically one of those anymore, I just I, I appreciate you guys putting your necks out there. And, and obviously on a, a grander scale, there's people you know covering things a little bit more important than baseball doing the same thing. But Andy, I thought, brought up a good point. He was writing for the SNY website talking about how however this goes just even trying it maybe one good thing that comes of it is we all kind of get to play follow the leader as we all do with baseball players and our, our heroes that look of course this is all irritating and annoying and abnormal and this is more like a military exercise right now than it is a ball game so it's not convenient in any way but it's just kind of what we got to do and is he wrong? Am I wrong? Because I agree with this, that just even giving this a shot and watching baseball players from all walks of life just modeling for us, hey, look, guys, I know it's weird, but here's what we're all doing. Doesn't that kind of work towards the collective good? Yeah, that's an argument that's been out there in different forms. And if you look at the political pressure that exists and could get louder, the government wants baseball back because it provides normalcy for people in, in addition to uh, this role model element. The, the flip side of it, not to be pessimistic or bleak, but that has to be considered. 
if part of the reason you bring baseball back is to show people how things can work uh, and how to properly social distance or, or the different types of, of measures that need to be put into place, if it goes wrong, if it doesn't end up working, if someone involved with the sport, player, umpire, coach, uh, support staff at the stadium, whatever it might be, gets sick and, and in the worst case scenario dies, there is a downside scenario where the messaging to the public is one of uh, despair, frankly, that, that even with those best measures, you might not be able to stop it. And, and so the upside of the whole thing is, is strong and probably worth trying, at least in the, in the minds of uh, those who are trying to make it happen. There's no doubt that, that they feel that it is. But there is a downside, too, where, where what is the message if it goes wrong? And that's that's a hard question for people to grapple with, but it, but it is a question that has to be grappled with. I, I think that's fair. And I always like the word grapple, so thank you for getting that in there. Double grapple. Nice. So let me throw you a couple Red Sox-centric things here. Do you miss tracking the Sox, by the way? I mean, being a beat writer-type person, or is there some freedom and liberty that comes with not having to follow whether or not uh, you know just random AAA guy may or may not be getting a call-up? I'm enjoying the, the freedom and, and particularly the coverage area. So my day-to-day is dealing with these commissioner's office and, and union topics, and, and it can expand beyond that. But there's been so much to deal with on that front, uh, even, even before the pandemic. But um, to me, those higher-level issues are they're, they're fascinating. I, I enjoyed dealing with it. And uh, as, as lovely as my time covering the Red Sox was, uh, th- this is – this is where I want to be at the moment. Let's put it that way. Good. Well, you're, you're, you're good at it, too, so it all works out. But one of the things, Red Sox-wise, I want to throw at you, and this obviously is the case for every team, but if indeed they're going to schedule the way they're going to schedule, a uh, lot of NL East, right? I mean, that we never would have been a party to before, a, a crap ton of AL East, of course. We'll maybe see Rick Porcello pitch two or three times at Fenway after all this year, if it all goes uh, according to oil. Are you okay with just the the logistics of how they're trying to get the schedule done? Yeah, because it's based in in a logic, or seems to be based in a logic, on travel. You don't want these teams jetting around the country. It all comes back to how can you pull this off? You know, are you better off having baseball that looks different than you're used to be that in the schedule be that in the dh in the national league uh be that in where players are seated it might not be in the dugout might be sitting behind the stands as well that was something in the 67 page protocol are you better off having that or are you better off having nothing and there, there is a creativity element to it that's kind of intriguing you know where you do have different matchups than you normally would and you do have a season that's shorter and therefore might allow for greater contention from teams that in a 162-game season won't last. Uh, No, 82 games isn't a ton of time to to prove who's truly the best, and they might want to expand the playoffs, and the playoffs have always been known to be kind of random, but to to sit there and kind of judge the caliber of the schedule and all that, it all falls back to what's the alternative, and the alternative in this case is probably no baseball. So... It sounds like you don't need to necessarily slap an asterisk on this season, but you and I talked earlier. I like the thought of almost putting them off in parentheses. And what I mean by that is 
if Rafael Devers hits 400 this year, we got to be able to explain he did that in 82 games and not 162 games. There's a difference. And, uh, you know, the, the fact that the American League home run leader this year might have 19, right? I mean, 100 years from now, you got to be able to explain that. Uh, is, am I wrong on that? I, I, I'm not big on just flipping asterisks around, but I think you got to have some sort of nomenclature that says this was a one-off. Yeah, particularly in the, the statistical discussions. When Mike Trout goes into the Hall of Fame, It'll come back up. People will remember well, what would have his home run total have been if he was able to play a full 2020 season. And, and, and so you'll always have those kind of moments. I don't think you'll have people questioning the merits of a champion. You know, people don't look back on the 95 season and, and wonder about the Braves. You know, it's a different circumstance after the strike, but it, it, it won't be forgotten. It can't be. But again, that there is intrigue in that. There, there is intrigue in, in the oddity of it. And, and it's a sport that, that likes its oddities, you and me. Sure. Yeah, no, it, it kind of comes with the territory anyway. Let me keep it uh, with our last few minutes together here, Red Soxy, at least a little bit. Are you surprised? I know it hasn't really made a difference to you because you're not on the beat anymore. But, you know, Ron Renneke has been made available to the media twice. Alex Verdugo once. Chris Sale once. And, and I think a lot of Red Sox fans and, of course, media types are just kind of left wanting a little bit. Is that the smart play, do you think, by the Red Sox? Because maybe it's just what can be gained by, by saying anything about anything right now, right? Yeah, if you look around the league, there doesn't seem to be a ton of players talking. And it, it's very much team to team, the accessibility. You know, but even executives, you know, you're, not, you're not seeing a lot of the GMs talk either and that's because a lot of times when there's a labor issue going on you don't want a club person or a player necessarily um harming your position whether that's you know a request from uh the red sox it might even be a request but but the, it, it is a sensitive time and so it does not surprise me that the sensitivity plays out with lowered availability basically. Let me keep it Red Soxy and ask you kind of a weird one. Uh, was there a Kevin Pillar era in Red Sox history if no baseball is played this year? I mean, I, I did see him in spring training, so does that count? Yeah, I, I think on a technical level, it counts because one of the things that the union pushed hard for and got from the league was service time for 2020 in, in the event of a canceled season. So Mookie Betts still becomes a free agent because it would be as though he played a year. So, yeah, he was there. It's just, to me, it's the same discussion as somebody who gets traded for a day to a team but never played for that team. Was he on the team? I, I would argue he was. He was their property. And right. <laughs> a, 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 a player advocates might object to that uh, that phrasing. But, yeah, the general idea, yeah, Kevin Pillar is on the Red Sox. All right, so by that logic, Mookie Betts is a Dodger, at least for now. And I, I know you saw this, too, that last week, no surprise, because Mookie's just a hell of a guy. He goes to a Kroger's in a struggling neighborhood of Nashville and pays for the groceries of everybody there and treats the store employees to pizza. And it, nobody poisoned it because they weren't in Salt Lake City. Have you watched the MJ documentary? Do you know what I'm talking about? You probably even haven't seen it. Uh, I, I watched, I think, the first two weeks' worth of episodes. So I'm sh I'm ashamed to admit that, uh, okay, and I yeah. enjoyed it. I just 
Well, you're tied up with other things. I get it. I mean, yeah, I I just haven't gone back and finished okay. it. But it but it was enjoyable. Fair enough. Mookie, though, uh, now I'm just trying to think of the landscape that exists. Whatever happens with there is an 82 game season. There's not an 82 game season. I think we're all agreed the finances because of the pandemic are much, much different coming out of it. So when he gets through the funnel one way or another of 2020, maybe a very different free agent landscape for Mookie. Does that help or hurt those that say, come on back to Boston? Or is it just too early to even start thinking about that? Every team is going to, to some degree, be hurting. And it, it, the bigger question is, what does it do to the free agent market? I don't know that it, it positions Mookie any better to go to one particular team. The big market teams are, are going to suffer a little bit more in this instance because they rely so much on attendance. Yes, they have a huge amount of money in, in cable deals as well. There's no denying that. But they also would get a lot of money at the gate. And so if you're playing without fans or mostly without fans, uh, it, it, it's a weird reversal where a team like the Rays that doesn't have good attendance normally and has relative to its market a decent TV deal is actually in a, in a better position this year, arguably at least, and, and the clubs are arguing this. Was, this was part of their presentation right. to the union uh, last week. It's, it's the big market teams that hurt. So it's not so much a Mookie-specific question as what does free agency look like after all this? You know, do, do the owners still splurge? The, the guy who says, I'm one player away, or I need my cornerstone player, do they still do it? Uh, because the owners are talking up how much debt they're incurring right now and, and uh, positioning it as though they won't be able to take on uh, a ton more debt. And, and the union is skeptical of all these finances, and that's why they've re- requested data to support the underlying claims and, and they haven't gotten it yet they're likely to get some of it but off in the distance the, the free agency question looms it, right. it's, it's and, and it's hard to answer particularly because it, it, it can change if you have a playoff this year or not it can change if you play 40 games or 80 games it, it's, it's a little too early to predict it Last one for Evan Drellick, who's been so kind to redo our conversation from earlier in the day, because one of us, me, is a moron and doesn't know how to hit a button. But uh, Alex Cora, and this has nothing to do, I promise you, with sign-stealing gate and, and everything else you had to cover for months and months and months. Uh, I'm just curious about, you know, he's eligible, eligible to return next season when the one-year ban is over. He went on a little bit of a, a Twitter run recently. Somebody put it out there that his managing days are over, kind of, you know, snidely. And he quipped in response, maybe I want to do something else. Do you think he wants to do something else or do you think he still wants to manage? I'm only speculating and answering that because I, 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 don't, I don't know what he's thinking. Um, but certainly if, if he wanted to go into the front office, I would think that opportunity would be there, uh, if not now, eventually. Uh, if if he's referring to something else, you know who knows. But even the managing, if he wants to get back to managing at some point, he'll be able to do it, and and he's permitted back as soon as uh, next year. So y- y- you know, time heals a lot of things, and I don't think he's going to be lacking for opportunity, what, whatever that ends up being. Still bizarre that that's now about 19th on our list of things to talk about. I mean, because it was one A, B, C, D, and E for a while. But the pandemic has 
shifted our landscape a little bit, just a little bit. And uh, buddy, I can't thank you enough for for coming on. We'll, we'll look you up down the road. Continued success to you and everybody at the Athletic. Again, I, I don't get a kickback, I swear. But uh, if you're into journalism and you like baseball. Uh, you really can't do much better than to to get that subscription going to The Athletic. And that's how you can find Evan these days. Thank you, pal. Stay safe and happy. And we will uh, talk again soon. Thanks, Joshy. There it is. Socks beat this time. I am Josh Lewin. I'm going to hit the button now correctly. Bye-bye. <laughs>